You're listening to The Melting Podcast, a writing variety show featuring a little of everything from everyone, everywhere. Hi! Wow. <laughs> How much coffee have you had? Not enough, that's the point. So the new espresso machine that we set up in the disaster kitchen hasn't been used yet? I think one of the junior chefs might have put it in the oven. Oh no. The oven. <laughs> because we totally have a kitchen. Yeah, we do this in a closet. Hi there, everybody. Welcome to episode 89 of the Melting Podcast. I'm your grill mistress, Aaron Kazmark. I'm your head chef, AF Grappin. And we're a mess, guys. So's the oven. What oven? We're in a closet. I know. <laughs> I a, mean, an oven somewhere. Disaster kitchen. The disaster closet. Yes. Pantry. Yeah. It's the pantry. But, uh, you know, we're not having this episode in the kitchen today. We'll be taking you straight to the dining room for the chef's table. Field trip! Yeah, it's like the same closet, actually. We just call it something else to make it fancy. It's super fancy. I think I I, I can light a candle over there. We're so budget. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now, chef's table episodes are where Aaron and I, or, you know, Aaron or I... Or Theo, or just any of us who happens to have a microphone, has gone to a convention and recorded a panel specifically about content creation, writing, all that kind of stuff. This is one of those. Yeah, it's one of those. This is a panel from Balticon 2019. Ooh. Yeah. How fancy. You should enjoy it. Bon appetit. Okay. Um, we are we are at the magic hour. Um, we're about 30 seconds early, but I don't think we'll be harmed. Do I have to speak at the microphone to get picked up? It's picked up really well. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, <clears throat> I am John Robison. I will be your uh, conductor for the next half hour, uh, next hour. Um, I am uh, a member of the original Toxic Fandom. I am a priest. <laughs> And I am also someone who has, who, because there's enough drama in my life, I have a tendency to kind of tunnel vision my way through life, which means I sometimes miss the toxicity, and then I accidentally say something on a forum, and I am, I have become, you know, public enemy number one. I walk by it twice. It (laughs) I can find it because I've been in it several times already. Yeah. They've just got all that stuff out in front of it. You just sort of walk by it because it's like that. Well, they've covered some of the rooms with the schedules. They covered the room names with them. I was just wandering around. Oh, you should mention that because that's yeah. They need to. Yeah, I'm already done. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we're started. Yes. Okay. So I am also a he him. Hoo-ha. I My personal pronouns are he and him. Oh. Yeah. Um, so we'll start to my right. Uh, Hello. Uh, my name is Jessica Moran. I am a published short story author and poet. I run a food-based YouTube channel, um, which is launching later this month. And I am also... Um, a pagan, so um, we have two businesses that we do in concert, 
And the other one is uh, metaphysical. I do tarot readings and things like that. And um, the, the short reason why I'm here is because um, many moons ago we did an anti-trolling panel and it's, it's a very big part of something that I want um, fandom legacy to be is to help folks quash as many trolls as possible and also move the fandom discussions to more debate. Like we can all have our own head cannons and everything like that, but we have to be respectful of other folks. So that's me in a nutshell. I am Jim Stratton. I am a reformed attorney. <laughs> I retired. <laughs> I was a prosecutor for 30 years, so you didn't mess with me once upon a time. Um, author, uh, short fiction, um, mainly uh, Viking fantasy for some reason, just because it got stuck in my head and things just kept popping up and I had to write them down. Uh, these are available in the dealer's room. Um, and toxic fandom, uh, yeah. Um, in my work, yeah. I had to deal with them, but I had the power. So, easy. <laughs> Not so much anymore. I'm Jennifer Povey. I write a wide variety of fantasy and science fiction. And I also love critical analysis of literary texts. Which, of course, means I end up talking about fun stuff on the internet and occasionally end up dealing with trolls or people who just have that desire to be right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I have a little too much experience with toxic fandoms. Um, I'm Michelle D. Saunier. I am a writer primarily of dark urban fantasy and... Uh, I think I'm here because I want fandom to be a little less toxic because, especially fantasy and science fiction, we have this broad, beautiful universe that we write in and all these very creative things. Why are we going to limit that and why are we going to limit the people who can enjoy it? It just it seems to run counter to the whole ethos behind fantasy and science fiction. Uh, I'm Greg Larson. Uh, I uh, 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 ran or helped run Katsukon Entertainment for 21 years. Uh, I had to deal a lot with toxic fandom, especially in some of our earlier Facebook encounters. Uh, dealt with a lot of stuff with social media. I uh, I'm also still on the board of directors. I am uh, also a member of RAC. We run, run anime conventions, which is a group that discusses a lot of problems that happens through... Uh, running anime conventions and whatnot. I'm also a sci-fi author and a comedy author and uh, the writer of this Kaiju Life. One of the main reasons that I wanted to start having panels on this is because uh, this, this shit's ridiculous. Because <laughs> a lot of what she said, a lot of uh, uh, what stuff Michelle said, I was brought into fandom as being all-inclusive. That, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. I, I never cared whether anybody was, like, you know, gay or black or white or tall or short or fat or any of that stuff because we're all supposed to be a support group together. And so that was, when, when this start, stuff started bubbling to the surface, and I admit it, probably a lot of it was already there, especially the sexism. I, I'm, I'm floored because it's like, this isn't what we're about at all. So... I'm trying to develop ways to uh, uh, help eliminate toxic fandom and toxic reactions to toxic fandom. 
I'm trying to find the description of the, of the panel, uh, but I've got, I've got a, an example we can start with if you go like. Ahead. Go ahead. Um, obviously, the classic example, extreme, of who is a toxic fan is the Stephen King novel, Misery. <laughs> Real, I mean, no, I, I hope to God you never meet that toxic fan, but that's probably, the, that, that sort of very much delineates the kinds of things you're talking about. Um, I actually looked it up and found a nice article by a psychologist. Three ingredients. Possessiveness. It's their thing. It's their author. It's their whatever. Very possessive. They feel entitled. Because they have this special feeling and they believe special relationship, they have, they should be allowed to have that special access and maybe even be a bit of a gatekeeper. And then finally, feelings of superiority because they know, you know, and the rest of these fools, you know, they're, they're just stupid. They don't know. They don't understand. And it's a, it's, yeah, it's a very toxic mix. And it can range to just being a little pushy when an author comes in. Um, when uh, Neil Gaiman was at, uh, I think it was Balticon, wasn't it? Yeah. He was smart. He, he had handlers. I don't know if you saw him in the hallway. Three or four guys in front, two guys behind, and he walked around like this the whole time. Didn't make eye contact, and I suspect just because, well, probably a combination of things, but A, he probably had enough problems with that kind of a thing. Um, short answer is, yeah, it can be spooky. Um, personally, no, I'm lucky. I have, I don't have toxic fans. I'd like to have a lot more fans fans. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I see it a lot online, uh, especially with gaming, where there, and this sets up the, the male versus female, and the guy's going, well, you're not a real gamer girl if you don't blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. But then the same guys are also saying, oh, whoa, why can't I find a gamer girl? I'm like, really? If you wouldn't be such a freaking gatekeeper, you could see all these fabulous women that you would be interested in dating who enjoy playing games and maybe aren't as nitpicky about details as you are. Yeah. So that that's one example that I see rearing its ugly head repeatedly. I... There's definitely the gatekeepers, but there's also the people who have to be right. Mm -hmm. Their fan yes. theory has to be right and yours is wrong. Their ship is good, yours is toxic. Or even going as far as, you don't ship these two women together. You hate lesbians. Yeah. I mean, serious. And the problem is that some of these people have to be right to the point where they start trying to harass the creators to make their fan theory or their shit canon. Or chop off their feet. <laughs> one, one of the things that I've noticed, and, and this is a rather recent uh, re revelation, was um, when I started in fandom in the 70s, um, it was rare. It was very rare to find our type. Uh, most of us were of a certain type of like social awkwardness. Um, and, you know, finding somebody who read Tolkien for fun was, you know, it was like, oh, I found, I found another special creature in the forest like me. And so we would gather together at these conventions, and this was way before the internet, and conventions were a way of a lot of people who were writing to, like, to letters of the editor or fanzines and whatnot uh, to gather together. And it's like, oh, it's Bill. He writes all those letters. Or, you know, I finally get to meet, and you all get to get together. 
And there was, I think, a more supportive, inclusive group. I mean, there was a lot of there was a lot of back massaging that went on, for instance. It, there was there was definitely a hippie vibe when I when I was there. Uh, and this started to disappear around the same time that sci-fi conventions uh, and anime, from from my perspective, went from a bunch of guys with videotapes in his hotel room to an actual convention to a media pop sensation. Where if you look at Comic Con now. Like, the last Comic-Con I was at was a few years ago in New York City, and that was 163,000 people packed into the Javits Center over four days. Uh, and that, I, I, was, I was on the floor, and uh, it was like the Mark of Gideon from that Star Trek, uh, the original Star Trek. Everyone was all crowded together, and they're all, you know, mo- you know mo- moving around. And there was one girl who had a panic attack because she was so crowded and screaming. She had to get out of the room, and... Uh, there was nowhere for her to go. And, and I remember one New York guy saying, like, look, lady, what do you want us to do? You know, And uh, it, it has become what, what used to be niche became popular, which attracted popular people who we were getting away from. And one of the reasons we were getting away from them was they were very much about who the popular people are. And so a lot of these themes started to get into our fandom as like, well, you know, I'm, I'm a gamer and I have a YouTube channel and suddenly I've got like, you know, 90, you know, 90 million viewers or whatever and I set the pace. But that guy didn't start in the fandom like we did. And so there are some people who are very resentful of that saying, I struggled to get here. You know, it wasn't popular. I had to fight against the tide. And now you're riding on the tide. You went way further than I would have ever gone. And you don't understand. You don't have the respect. And I think that leads to a lot of gatekeeping. I also think that it it started a lot closer to now. Because um, I, I hail from international waters. I'm an American, but I was I was raised abroad. And I grew up in a culture that didn't have cons. Yeah. So I've lived vicariously through folks like you and, and some older friends who were part of the 70s con scene. So I'm aware of what it's like to have like El Zippo fandom and then the internet comes along. And in the late, early to late 90s, the internet opened up a door. And in the beginning, you actually see that in the internet community of the early days, like early forums and things like that, there wasn't the nastiness. Yeah, I agree. But here's, here's where I think things kind of took a left turn and it's not just the new people coming in because I'm social awkward as all get out and and I I hear that the popular kids were not nice when they came into our fandom and they don't always play nice but one of the things that I noticed is you also get people who because you know especially like for example I'm I love Star Wars The Old Republic I'm, I'm a casual player not because I play casually but because I'm usually a casualty so, <laughs> so, so I, love, I love the game. Um, when I joined it, I had abandoned WoW because I couldn't stand the male players constantly hitting on my characters. Yeah. And yeah. I couldn't stand the dialogue in the game because it was stunted and boring. Like when the flirts are the only thing that's funny, it's time to find another game. So I had, I had started going to the, the uh, Star Wars The Republic, and one fine day there was a connection fit between my computer's bit ratio and the game. Something that was not obvious to somebody who's familiar with computers, and, and, like off the bat. So I try everything, unload, uninstall, all the, all the nonsense, and finally I get irritated and I call customer service. I have the nicest guys from the Netherlands. Um, the gentleman on the phone is surprised that there's a female on the line. 
first words out of his mouth after he asks what the problem is are, oh, um, while he's looking up my account, oh, are you new? And I'm like, no, I've been a subscriber for three years. <laughs> when he pulls up my account, he's like, oh, oh, I see. What? You have 40 characters? Yes. And the whole conversation before I can even get to my problem becomes, why do you have 40 characters? How often do you play? And there was no malice. It was just this sort of concept to him that why is a girl doing this? And when I explained why, that I like to try out all of the different character abilities and go through the whole nine yards of character development, and I explained what I liked about the game, he finally moves on, we fix the problem, we figure out it's a stupid thing on my end with the computer that's being special. And at the end of the conversation, this is doubly funny to me because I worked in customer service, so he asks if, he, if I can talk to his manager. Customer service brain goes, oh, he wants a compliment and he has done a good job. So, okay, I'm like, sure, I'll give you a compliment, no problem. He's like, no, no, that's not what I want. I would like to, to pass your feedback along, but I think it would be better handled if my manager spoke to you. So then I have to go through the same exact conversation with the manager. And he's like, wow, I am so surprised. And you're a woman and you play the game and blah, 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 blah. And I am going to use this feedback, and I love that you love our dialogue, and no, 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 and I'm, and and what was really hilarious to me at the end of it all is that my feedback was such a minor thing in the in the context of the game because I knew that there were other female players. They just hadn't encountered anyone that had run into any massive problems, so hadn't had to contact customer service. So in their mind, female customers, female subscribers did not exist. Well, it's a diversity issue. I have no doubt that there's yeah. a. Put that a check in that box, <laughs> and and then um, so that that was one of my encounters with it with a small fry version of of um, unfortunate fandom sentiment. The the other thing is people tend to have blinders on when it comes to situations that they don't experience. Um, a couple of years ago at another con, I was at their con suite because I was a panelist at that at that event. And I was chilling and I was having a conversation about traveling with several people and there was a diverse group. We had an LGBTQ person and I bring this up, it matters in the context of what happens later. We had an LGBTQ person, we had women, we had guys. Everybody was having a blast and chatting about their trips and their experiences. And this gentleman comes along and inserts himself in our conversation rather brusquely and begins to give us opinions on women's travelers' experiences that have been mentioned, and, and continues. And eventually, I've reached a point in my life where it's like water off a duck's back, it doesn't get to me, and I don't engage unless I think they're being heinously toxic. But this person kept arguing. And one of the things that really struck me, I think, is other people's reactions, because you had two things happen. You had bystander reaction, which is the person didn't know what to do, so they shut down and couldn't, couldn't really either defend their point of view or didn't feel safe. Yeah. And the other one, the one that really, I think, affected me the most was people getting upset for everyone else. Like, I had a couple of ladies come into the room hearing the conversation and have to walk out nails digging into the palm of their hands because they were two steps away from strangling this man. <laughs> so it's, it's a big part of, of, of dealing with toxic fandoms is not walking on eggshells, but also understanding if you can diffuse the bomb, 
do so. Yeah. Because you might be helping somebody who is deserving of help, not kill somebody who is just a pimple on the butt of the universe. <laughs> Sometimes you get that in technical forums as well with people that um, there, there's a operating system called FreeBSD. Either you know about it or you don't. But um, there, it's it's very difficult. It has a very steep learning curve. And there was this one person who was posting, "I can't." get my floppy drive to work with this thing. It does date the story, but I, you know, I couldn't get the, the floppy driver and some, you know, edge lord started posting like, well, RTFM, read, you know, read the fine manual, sir. Um, <laughs> but, you know, usually means something else. But it, it and, and they made fun of them. It's like, maybe you shouldn't, maybe you shouldn't be in something so advanced if, if this is, and I see this happen in fandom. Like, well, maybe, maybe you should go back to the kitchen. You know, maybe you should go back to the ghetto. Maybe you should go back to your, your temple. Whatever, instead of, instead of like, oh, here's a new person. I used to be a new person, and I feel excited. I can educate this person. And I know that this edgelord is like, well, don't, you know, you, you know, you give a man a fish, and he'll eat for a day. Teach a man to fish, he'll eat for his lifetime, or he'll waste his time fishing. But um, you, you... I, I I I took this guy and I knew that this this would piss off the edge lord because they're usually like these people who are really really like I'm always right all the time. And I said it's okay if you don't know the answer. Let's find out together. <laughs> and of course I knew that. And of course the guy just starts like saying all the shit. He he like looked me up online and it's like oh well you're just a writer of sci-fi. You're not like a real computer programmer and everything like that. And it's like well I learned to become a real computer programmer by you know helping people like this. And, you know, and then together, I was like, I looked it up this, and I found this, and blah, blah, blah. And the two of us, we figured it out together. I've never had a mount of floppy drive, thank God, in, in FreeBSD, but we figured it out. And it's like, and this is the learning process, and this is why I like doing what I'm doing and helping people like you out. And the guy thanked me. He was from Quebec, English. He wasn't the best at it, and he was young. I try and do that with fandom. When people are coming into fandom, and people are intimidated, you know, I don't know if I'm a real anime lover because I like my neighbor Totoro, and someone said, like, well, you know, all housewives like it. But it's it's like, you know, I, I don't know if you ever saw a skit in Kids in the Hall where somebody was cursed because he wanted to be a Doors fan, but he had a collection of Doors greatest hits, and I was like, that's for housewives, you know. Um, but I, you know, it's like, oh, so you want this? You bring them in. You show by example. You take these young people. You take these intimidated people and say, I'm so glad you're here. I'm really glad that you're here because I was like you and somebody did that for me and said, like, oh, come here. Let me show you this. And I've got an, an Orville sticker now on my car, you know, that kind of thing. And I think you make a really good point that part of the description of the panel was what can we do yes. to diffuse toxic fandom? And I think being welcoming to people who are new to a fandom, new to a community, that to come to come to them and, and say, "Oh my goodness, how great! Welcome. Let me show you around." Or um, one of my friends, a literary professor, made a point that it's really important when somebody says, "I haven't read Jane Eyre." that it really puts them off if you say, oh my God, you haven't read Jane Eyre? Yeah. Instead you say, oh, you have such a treat in front of you. Here you go. I, I've seen that post. We, we have I, out. Oh, I'm sorry, Jane. I actively love bringing new people into one of my yes. fandoms. I yes. love it. It's one of my favorite things to do. And I've never understood the possessive gatekeeper mm -hmm. because 
the more people you have in the fandom, the more fun conversations you can have. What? Yes, not to love. What? Yeah. The... Yeah. Yeah. There's an absolutely fabulous um, uh, webcomic. Uh, well, XKCD has a particular one called The Lucky 10,000. Yes, it. yes. It, is, it, is, it makes an amazing point that there's two ways to respond to someone who has never heard of a thing. You can either do the, the like, how have you never heard of this? Which is going to encourage your friends to not tell you when they don't recognize something and you can't bring them in. Or there's the, I get to be the one to share this with you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, it's very much a mindset. And because there are going to be toxic fans who are going to do the <laughs> lip curl and they will turn off new fans. And so that's where it's the res- kind of the responsibility of those of us who want to be inclusive to step in and show, hey, not everybody in this fandom is like that. Here, yeah. let me show you the cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, there's the problem is is you're going to be dealing with people who have a very specific mindset, and that, that feeling of superiority and all of that actually plays in very much to them. Yeah. Who I am and what makes me special. Okay. Hold on, Lex. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, you mentioned gatekeeping several times. Mm -hmm. How do you. What's a good strategy Mm -hmm. to deal with somebody giving you fake geek girl test? Well, it depends on how serious it is and it depends on how important the forum is. Is I, if, you, if you're I'm online, hear from one of the ladies on this question. Mm-hmm. They've probably heard it more than you have. Oh, I can actually give an example of I, I'm also an RPG designer, so I sometimes do gaming panels. Oh. I was doing a panel at Ravencon on the future of D&D, and the moderator comes in, sits down, stacks his g- game supplements that he's written on the table in front of him, like all of them. So I'm like, oh. You can immediately tell that somebody mm-hmm. who does, and so I sit down, I introduce myself, I, t- and I say how long I've been playing and what I, which companies, but I was pretty new to designing at the time, so I didn't have, oh yeah, I'm working for Paizo to dangle, um, but, so that, so about halfway through the panel, this wonderful gentleman turns to me, puts his hand on my arm, unasked, He's lucky, he's lucky he didn't lose it. And says, and we have girls now. <laughs> wow. Oh, nice. So here's what I did oh. to this guy. Here's what I did to this guy, this guy. It just so happened that I'd been in an online conversation that week about some of the sexist issues inherent in early D&D. And specifically, we were talking about the original witch class, which was a travesty of sexist stereotypes published in Dragon magazine to for guys who wanted to get their girlfriend to play. So it was like, so I just started to, and I just start, just went through that and I was like, this is why you didn't have many girls at Mongol. Mm-hmm. And he as soon as the panel was over, he disappeared. <laughs> yeah, I, I think how I react to the, the girl, the proper geek girl test really depends on my mood at the time. Like, if, if I'm feeling a little feisty, then yeah, I will roll out my credentials and I will curb stomp somebody mm-hmm. over, no, I am 
a person that deserves a place at the table. And if you don't want to hear my voice, then you can leave the room. Or if I'm just not feeling confrontational, it's I don't have to engage. And I look them in the eye and say, I don't owe you anything, and walk away. I mean, so really it depends on my mood, whether or not I'm feeling confrontational or not confrontational. But yeah, it's something that I think a lot of females in fandom have faced. And don't forget, if you're online, there's always that little thing called the block button. Yes. Don't be afraid to use (laughs) it and don't be afraid to warn other people if somebody is really being a broken stare you may mm-hmm. not want to engage with this person they're a troll they if somebody's repeatedly 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 being a toxic gatekeeper just yeah. block them and tell all your friends to block them yeah you there's not, nothing wrong with that yeah that uh, ostrac- ostracizing people and refusing to engage is a valid technique yes. to making your fandom more comfortable for you. <laughs> yeah. And another thing is also um, certain trolls are disarmed by intellect. And if you choose to engage, because I, I agree with Michelle, I love the feisty when you have the energy for it. Um, but sometimes, especially as a female, you encounter situations and, and um, for some LGBTQ folks, it happens as well. Um, I say some um, because it, this is, I've seen it more with the guys in this particular situation where they become the cornered party, um, more so than the females. But again, I'm speaking from my personal uh, experience and friends' experiences. Um, but one of the things you can do when you're cornered, uh, I find, or you have the particularly insistent troll in person that you cannot get away from comfortably, uh-huh. is to try and disarm them with intellect. And, and um, what, what I mean by that is when you challenge their knowledge in a way that they can't respond, breaking down their assumption, it is not always easy. But sometimes it can be particularly fun. Um, one of my favorites is in the Star Wars fandom. You usually get the person who must have his last say on which Jedi is the most kick-ass, which, but, or which Sith is the most hardcore. And, and all of those are fun discussions. But eventually we come down to a point where somebody has to be um, vicious toward a particular subset of characters. It could be something like um, with Finn, that they were upset because of Finn's skin color, because they had never conceived of a black stormtrooper. One of my favorite ways to screw with people's heads in that scenario is to bring up Barbara Hamley's Children of the Jedi from the Expanded Universe prior to Disney's technical shutdown of the old <laughs> of the old legacy series. And say, well, you do realize that there was an Imperial dreadnought that went around and essentially grabbed because it malfunctioned, grabbed whatever species, it was supposed to be only humans, but it grabbed any living, breathing species and converted it to Stormtrooper through brainwashing. So technically, you could have black Stormtroopers, you could have Ewok Stormtroopers, you could have a penguin in a tap-dancing hat Stormtrooper. And you say that to them and you just watch their brain explode, and it is one of the most lovely experiences. <laughs> and then you can pleasantly walk away. You need a penguin in a tap-dancing <laughs> yeah, when, as as a male fan, I have said I've said it this weekend. I beg your pardon when someone says that to to and 
not that I necessarily always I felt like I was coming to their rescue, but if you are offended by the action of a troll, make it put you know, push back by saying, "Excuse me." Yeah, I think this is where um, folks in the fandom who have privilege, um, white folk, straight folk, male folk, if you have the privilege, if you have the power, use it for good. If you see somebody of an oppressed group having a hard time and you've got some power in this fandom, step in. My point of view is if you want to invest your time, energy, and breath dealing with the person, that's great. Um, odds on you changing their point oh, of yeah. view yeah. is very minimal. Yeah. Yeah. More, more important. It's also the point of view of the person they're harassing. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's but, but you've got yeah. two choices, particularly at conventions or online. Mm-hmm. A, don't engage, as they say, block, or um, something like that. B, report their ass. Um, we've got a very good group here who, if you've got somebody that's running around, being just a total asshole to anybody, particularly in the middle of panels. Oh, they will they will export their oh, yeah. ass in a heartbeat. <laughs> well, that's, uh, I saw, it was a cartoon used for how to deal with Islamophobia, but it works for a lot of different, and it was uh, drawn by a French artist because they were having some serious issues, and about how to diffuse it without being confrontational, mm-hmm. and it was using panels of uh, Islamic women being harassed on subway. And if you are of another group, the idea was you sit down next to the person being harassed and you engage with them on a completely different topic. Mm -hmm. The weather, what movies have you seen, and you ignore the person who's doing the harassing. And they eventually, they become diffused because they're just like... Nobody, you you pull the air out of the situation. Well, that's and, that's what they're there for. That's what right. they're doing. It's about becoming Medea's dragons. Okay, yeah. Medea goes through hell. She's one of my favorite characters in Greek tragedy because she is othered and she represents others. And in the original tragedy, she's meant to be viewed as the sympathetic character, despite the the. Um, time period and and what would have been normal for them socially. It's actually quite an advanced piece um, in social proactivism for its time because Medea was a foreigner. She gives birth to children, illegitimizing her children by having her husband run around and have babies with somebody that's better for his title is not unheard of and is not unseemly. But it's very cool that the author of the play tried to make Medea the sympathetic character. But what I mean by becoming her dragon is uplift the person getting stomped on. You can be the the defensive dragon, or you can be, as Michelle was saying, the person who just, you want to get to them, you're going to have to break up our conversation now because you're going to have to come through me. And I'm giving off that vibe of, you're not coming through. Or or even just guide them away. If it's getting to be... Uh, a potentially physical confrontation schedule. Uh, I've done walk up. Oh, hey, I haven't seen you in forever. Hey, Tim, he's here. Let's go say hi to them. And you take them away. You get yeah. them out of the situation. Uh, at cons, I like, I like to 
Try and think of a panel that's the next hour and go, what are you going to go to? Oh, come on, let's go. We don't want to yeah. be late. You know, and it go, does kind of diffuse and it gets the person who may be in danger out of that situation. But the other thing that's really important, especially online, is to model your non-toxic behavior. Mm-hmm. One of the big problems in fandom right now is ship wars. Okay. For what? Ship wars. Oh, yeah. Which have been known to result in physical violence. What do you define? Ship walls. Ship wars. Ship wars. I am sorry. Like in Supergirl fandom, there was a really bad one between the Caramel shippers, that's Kara and Monel, and the Supercorp shippers, which was Kara and Lena. And it got to the point where I was stopped talking to anyone in that fandom for six months. (laughs) Then they wrote out Monel and it all stopped. Mm-hmm. But there were death threats being sent to actors, and it's one of the important things is it's this thing about people who have to be right. Mm-hmm. And one of the best things you can do is simply not be the person who has to be right. Mm-hmm. That's right. You can say, I will grab this head, I'm going to keep this head cannon until my dying day. But you can say that and still res- you know, respect other people's, and one of the problems is, you have to support this ship and no other ships is what starts the ship war instead of, oh, this one's cool, but this one over here's cool too. So one of the things I'm really trying very hard to do is when I talk about a ship or a fan theory is to always make it clear, this is mine. If you like it, you can have it. If you don't like it, peace out. But not actually, this is canon, trying to say stuff that isn't canon is canon. Well, just on a a note, if someone makes a death threat as a prosecutor, it's illegal! (laughs) If it's a credible threat, now that doesn't mean they're going to do something, but they will probably get a call from their friendly local police officer. I understand. And absolutely, if somebody is making actual non-ironic death threats online, whatever the platform... Report that ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we, we, we have a strained rotator cuff at the back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, Lax. Uh, well, the, specifically, you're, you're mentioning ship wars. I found a fantastic way to defuse a ship, ship wars. You've got someone who's so adamant that their ship is right. Agree with them, sort of. Say, he's like, I like this ship, and I'm so thrilled that you get so much out of that ship. And they'll just be like, you're someone who likes the wrong ship, but you're being nice to me. I don't know how to respond to this. That's exactly the sort of thing mm-hmm. I yeah. mean. It really, really helps. And it also means that somebody who's witnessing that conversation, it diffuses the holier than vow, my ship is right thing for new people who may witness that conversation. One, one of the things that I've done to diffuse situations, and this doesn't work for all situations, but... I step back, like in, in, in anime fandom and anime conventions, I always I always keep in mind that, you know, I'm running an anime convention. I am not head of the UN. When I make a mistake, uh, maybe the con suite is opened late or we didn't get, we, you know, the, the art show didn't have the, the panels that they wanted. I am not starving an ethnic minority because I pissed off a rebel faction. There, there's, <laughs> there's a certain point. And what I, so what I do is if somebody's online and they're saying, like, well, all the people who like Windows are complete idiots, and I've just been to a hacker convention where half the laptops were Windows, um, I, I, I just say, like, you know, I, I try and, how do I put this? I try and say, like, 
Well, the right tool for the right job. I am glad that you like Linux. I like Linux too. Linux, I think, is great for the things that you need. But there are certain things that Microsoft does correctly that Linux has not stopped. And so you, you give them validation, like you had suggested, but you try and say, let's step back. We're, we're, we're arguing over operating systems to a guy. We don't even know what his needs are. Like, this guy may work in an all-Windows environment, and, you know, and, and he has no choice. It's not, you know, it's like, well, you use this, you're a loser. Uh, that's just dumb. Like, I, I don't even know what you would get out of that, like, right. except placating your own ego. But, but generally, I say, you know, in, in, like in anime, I say, hey, you know, it's really great that you like One Piece, uh, and you think that's like the best thing that ever came, and the people that don't like One Piece, you find difficulty understanding. Yeah. And here's, here's my point of view of why I don't like One Piece, and so that maybe you can understand some of where this other person's coming from. Yeah. And sometimes that works, sometimes it backfires. Okay. Boom. Uh, yeah, thank you, folks. Um, <clears throat> I, I think everybody in this room knows that there is such a thing as agreeing to disagree. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe if, if when we can, we can lead people in that direction <coughs> more. I, it, it just, uh, for example, uh, I hope this is relevant. Uh, a very long time ago, I, a major reason I stopped uh, going to motion pictures or even following the, the newspapers, particularly new motion pictures, was I found out that the, the whole wherewithal, everybody's different opinions about, oh, I like this, I didn't like that, uh, I, I like this genre, no, I, that genre was not for me, uh, just wasn't for me, it was just, uh, and it, it, it wore me down after a while, so I'd rather just distance from it to this day. And I just figured that uh, oh, 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 maybe we could just point out to people that that's another way. And just yeah, yeah. putting and, and and I'm really sorry. If this is a great panel as far as I'm concerned. But I'm I'm sorry to hear about the sexism that, that is still out there. And as far as it, it, and then as uh, oh, what was. Uh, I leave you with with uh, with this thought that that's the the whole idea of not not liking something, whether it's it's, it's a, whether it's a, a, a computer software or pretty much anything is is just I, I understand that, but at the same time I just don't understand. Well, everybody who likes such and such a thing or. or, or Slaps saying you're a total idiot. Yeah. That I don't even begin to understand. Yeah, yeah. Morgan, thank you. Yeah, so um, you mentioned as a prosecutor that if there's death threats or other threats of bodily harm once you report them, but like we have evidence of past incidents showing that if you're a certain kind of person, like a woman or a gay person or especially a trans person or especially a trans woman, that like the cops and the legal system just doesn't care. And so, what are you supposed to do in that situation where the powers be don't care whether you live or not? Well, several levels. If it's on a platform, mm -hmm. Facebook, whatever, um, you talk to them. They don't care sometimes either. But you still should do it. Even if they don't care, you still report the person, even if it mm -hmm. nothing comes of it. Because sometimes what will happen is people oh, nobody will do anything about it, so nobody reports it. Mm -hmm. But if enough people report that person, something will be done. And you become one of... So you report them, and your report might be ignored. But then there's another report a week later, another report two days after that, and...
Doctor, you get an accumulation. They're, they're, they're just going to they're just going to cut him off because it's th- that's not what they're in business for. Yeah. It's it's advocacy networking. It's something um, that I when I was in college we had to do for peer groups. I was part of the the women's centers um, peer hotline, and I helped people who were sexually assaulted. I'm a survivor of sexual assault on campus. Um, I was luckier than most. <laughs> not that that's a lot to be proud of. Um, but one of the things that we did, because the school didn't care, and I hear what you're saying, and, and that is a totally valid concern, is that we would do social advocacy networking. So if one person did come forward, and we knew the person they were reporting, and we had heard privacy laws and everything that we had to follow, what we would do is we would go, okay, Here's what you're going to do. Here's how we can help. This is where you go for your mental health and self-care. This is the person you talk to. This is a good group of people. You build a network and a safety net of that. Two, the other thing you need to do is document everything. Screen caps, everything. And Get a case you... number. That's important, especially even if you talk to the police. Yeah. They have to have a case number. Well, yes. But, but in, like I said, on our campus, there was, there was some communication difficulty with the cops sometimes for female students and, and trans and LGBTQ. Um, we had a particularly nasty spate of attacks. And um, the other thing is group um, blocking, as, as uh, Jen and Michelle were saying, works well too. So talk to your friends. If they know the person, have them report them. The, the more people you can rally to your side, the more attention. And sometimes it doesn't help the person the most, the first person to come forward. But know that your efforts help the next person down the line. Because like I said, and, and I say this because it's very disheartening to be at the center of something that ugly. But when you do this work, it is incredibly cathartic to see. For me, I will never be able to walk onto my alma mater without having an anxiety attack. But I know now there are ten, there are five more cops on that campus. There are six more emergency call stations, and the dumbass in charge of our college, pardon my French, is having to deal with two lawsuits because finally we were able to get them to take notice of of the situation. But this is after over a thousand rapes and sexual assaults when unreported. Two of them ending in death. Two incidences of domestic violence on that campus ending in death. So don't be disheartened. That is the most important thing and it is the hardest thing when you're dealing with that kind of situation where there are actual live active threats. Now, something completely different from the topic that we're on and a little lighter. Um, yeah, yeah, we've got people with their hands up. I've got Bugsy. Well, this might be a larger scale thing, so I'm not going to go ahead. Okay. Pilgrim. Okay. Um, I hear what you're saying, and it's all looking good, but when I was receiving death threats because of a fan fiction I wrote, when I was receiving go kill yourself emails, when I was doxxed, when I was chased off the internet, when I was afraid to leave my house, and I went to the police because I was being stalked by someone off the internet, because I had been doxxed, because I had to delete my Facebook and my Tumblr and my Twitter and my everything, and my fanfiction.net account, and erase my previous existing internet identity completely. 
when that happened. Going to the cops didn't do any good. Going to, they, they didn't do anything. In fact, they mocked me. And like I said, for me, the most important thing for someone in your situation, the evidence gathering is more cathartic later. But in the beginning, and like I said, the most important thing is finding help. And, and I say that not with the cops, but self-care, especially mental health care. And, it's, and, and it's, in our society, it's really hard to talk about that. I believe you. And, and, and I, I, the way I want to phrase this is I validate what you're saying more so than you can imagine because I did the, what I, and I say this of myself, no one else who does this is on that, is in that frame in my reference. I did the stupid thing. I tried to tough it out to myself. And 10 years later, I'm on a, a medication, which I could have avoided. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but I put myself in a situation that took a talk therapy issue and caused it to become a physiological issue. I wouldn't wish that on a damn person. And I say that, that in your situation, you're an extreme case in the sense of what you went through was the full extreme. So for me, in your case, my concern wouldn't even, yes, I would want you to be safe, cops important, having somebody that is defending your safety important, but the most important question mark for me in that perspective or the most important care note is your mental health care. Because the most important thing is you have to be physically able to get on with your life and not give these, I, okay, is there anybody here that's a small child? No, okay, not give these motherfuckers the satisfaction of yes. having taken away your liberty. Yes. They do not deserve your joy, your liberty, or your personal identity. And that is the biggest and nastiest thing to fight when you're in that position. Okay. Um. I would like to acknowledge and apologize that sometimes the system fails so utterly and you are, it's not your responsibility to have to go report if you can't. If you need to just go hide in a hole, you are allowed to. That is what you need to do. Yes. You don't have to go talk to the cops if you are unable. Absolutely. 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 There are others who can do that instead on your behalf yes. or on your own behalf. But the one thing, the one thing you have to be very quick to do is when anyone starts anything with you on the internet and it looks like it's going to turn into a dog pile, you have to just be you have to block, 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 block. Mm -hmm. If you catch it, I have had people start trying to dog pile me, and I'm just block, 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 and it's I've gotten lucky and it has subsided. But I do think. That there's a difference between dealing with somebody who's being an idiot about their favourite pet fan theory and dealing with somebody who is potentially dangerous. Yeah. And if you think somebody is potentially dangerous, you've dangerous, you've got to block them. Oh yeah. You, if, and if you are dealing with somebody dangerous, uh, personal safety first. Mm -hmm. You know, get yourself mentally, physically out of the situation. And sometimes you have to block them more than once because yeah. some people will sock pop it. With that, Archive of Rome especially has a, uh, you can turn on moderated comments so that no comment appears unless you choose to allow it to. Yes. And uh, frequently, if those, all of those sock puppets rile up the people who are trying to defend you and it turns into a giant mess, then they've got the attention they want. I have picked a target that will get responses and then they will escalate. Mm -hmm. And yes. they never get their, their posts 
on there at all in the first place. They never get anyone trying to defend against them. It just disappears. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I would say you used to be able to track IPs. I do want to give a lighter example of something just so that people understand this kind of toxic fandom isn't limited to just normal folk. Uh, Balticon a couple of years ago I was watching a panel and on the panel was a rocket scientist, an actual rocket scientist that worked on the Apollo program uh, for many many years um, if you've ever seen the movie Apollo 13, they have the one character who's kind of half-bald and all of that. I'm 90% sure that was him. And they modeled it after. I mean, that's the kind of scientist he was. In the audience <clears throat> um, was a um, rocket scientist working over at Wallops Island actively. And, I mean, firing off rockets in the whole nine yards. And the panel was about, and I don't recall exactly what it was, it was dealing with a particular scientific theory of the universe, and the argument, gentlemen up front, um, was saying, well, they really haven't proven this theory because all of their observations are still within um, the margin of error. So we can't say that your observations are clear enough that you have proven this particular theory. You're getting data that seems to be pushing in that general direction, but you're not there yet. The guy sitting in the audience, who I gather was an excitable guy, big bushy beard, on, he went, bullshit, 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 and finally started shouting at the panel. The gentleman up front, who actually was a black belt martial arts guy, <laughs> and, and all, I mean, serious guy, nice guy, nicest guy you'd ever want to meet, um, just politely uh, reaffirmed to him and this gentleman, why don't we step outside? And he said, I would be happy to step outside. We can settle this, but it was like, these are PhD, <laughs> highly intellectual people, and they're ready to go over, you know, I forget what it is, something, something about dark energy or something, proving dark energy or something. I mean, something so exotic that you know, most people don't even know what the hell it is yeah. and, and all of that, but he was, they were ready to go at it, and but that's... In the middle of a fan panel. So there are people, and this is something that another friend of mine had brought up. There are people that are raised that being wrong is absolutely the worst thing that can happen to you. So they, they won't concede. They can't concede because their ego is at stake. <laughs> now, if, if, you know, I don't know if there's anything that I have in my life, I'm sure somebody can find something, where I would defend it very highly, but there's a certain point that I've learned to just stand back because it's like, am I really going to convince them? No. I'll just be right in my own head, mm -hmm. and then they can continue on with their rant. Well, but some people can't let that happen, mm -hmm. and I think it's... it's it's more of like, you know, they're, they're, it, it, it becomes like, uh, I was raised that being wrong is part of the scientific process. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, they said the greatest scientific discoveries was not Eureka, but that's funny. You know? <laughs> well, well, the, the I, whole thing about phlogiston and... Yeah, a, you know. What was it? The, the, the Z-rays that could only be found in France. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know. <laughs> sort of thing. But, but if, you're, you know, if you're raised thinking like, if, if you're wrong, you have committed the ultimate sin. And and those people defend to the death because a lot more is at stake than their theory. And or a PhD, their their grant money. And when uh, what they are think they have to be right about is something as subjective as art. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. It, it can it can yeah. get hairy. Um, 
I guess I, I know we're getting close to the end of the time. Yeah. I, I think one of the last things I Two want to throw out is that obviously the people here are here because you're interested in making things better. And so let's go out there and be better to each other and yes. help each other out. We're all a great big family. We're all a great big tribe. Yep. Let's welcome people and love our tribe. Well, my, 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 I would add to that, though, is that if it keeps going and it's getting drifting into possibly dangerous, um, like wherever you report it, oh, yeah. don't, don't, don't let it go because this is a person who lives for this, who that's... You know, that, that's their bread and butter. One yeah. of the things you can do, if you are afraid to report something that's going on online, if you are afraid to do so, there is probably somebody else who has yes. witnessed the thing who will gladly do it for you. Yes. yes. I have reported people for harassing people other than me before. If I have witnessed it and it is clear harassment, Yep. Do check with the yes. person if you can, because some people are so non-confrontational, they really don't want stuff to be reported. But it is perfectly fine to ask somebody else yes. to report. It is perfectly fine to ask somebody to go to the cops with you if something ever reaches mm -hmm. that point. Yes. Most of this stuff, it's pretty rare for stuff to get to the point where you need to involve the cops. It does happen. Usually the people you're involving are the moderators, the administrators, mm -hmm. the con committee. You know, if somebody is harassing you at a con, you can go to the committee. Yes. And I will say this, if I am not busy personally, if I'm not you know, on a panel or about to go to a panel, and you need, ever need somebody to go to con ops with you, mm -hmm. I will do it. I Me will too. gladly go to con ops Same with here. somebody because I am not afraid to go to con ops. Yes. I the last thing I want to... The last thing I wanted to add is we also have a little bit of toxicity in the opposite direction. Sometimes we get extreme PC culture and legacy erasure. And um, I think it's also important to listen um, in some cases to people um, when it comes to like certain histories of certain things. Because I, I was in a panel once with some wonderful ladies who were doing amazing um, short stories, but they were very offended by some of the comic book costumes. Um, some of the classic 70s ones, they felt that they were uh, demeaning to women. And while the group was a, a mixed spread of ages, me being younger than at least one or two people on the panel and somebody being close to my age, one of the things that I brought up to them is, okay, guys, that's a perfectly valid point. I understand where you're coming from, but you have to understand where these costumes are coming from. They're coming from the sexual liberation movement. They're empowering these female characters. And whatever the fandom has done with them after is headcanon. And it's a very different situation. So it, it's kind of important to also not run roughshod into, into situations. Sometimes even the best laid plans and best intentions can be overzealous. So we, the, the main point is to try and walk a fine balance of being a good citizen helping others out and standing your ground, but not necessarily um, overshooting, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Melting Podcast. You can check out our website with submission guidelines and current prompts at themeltingpodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Melting Podcast. 
or you could email us. TheMeltingPodcast at gmail.com. The Melting Podcast is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means you're free to copy it and share it as long as you don't change it, don't sell it, and always link back to the website. Sound effects are by the Free Sound Project. And our theme is by Drew Rich Creek. Send us stuff.